0: together and praise the Lord from wherever you are. So as we rejoice and give Him praise, we want you to join us and lift your voices up. Sit from your homes up to the Lord. Come on, church.
1: There were walls between us. By the cross you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace we are no longer bound no longer bound. You call me out of the grave. You call me into the light. You call my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love
0: Father, lift our voices up. Every breath we take is an opportunity to rejoice to the Lord in all circumstances. So, lift these words up. Come on. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you you restore
1: every heart. That is broken Great are you Lord You give life You are love You bring light To the darkness You give hope You restore. restore Every heart that is broken. Tell the Lord, come on. With hope, you restore.
0: air in your lungs and I want you to proclaim these words great are you Lord just lift up those words and all the earth will shout your praise come on church and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these
1: bones will sing tell the Lord great are you Lord sing that again all the earth and all the earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Come on. Pray, i you Lord? Now I want you to shout it out, come on, rattle the whole house. And all the earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only your breath one more time in our
0: We shout your praises. We thank you for an opportunity to gather in your presence. Wherever we are, Lord, we know you hear our voices. We know you see us. We know you work on our behalf. So this morning as we come into your presence, let us continue to have a song in our heart. Let us continue to rejoice. Speak to our hearts through your message this morning, Lord. Allow us to be drawn to you feel your presence, and be changed by that presence, Lord. Whatever we may be dealing with, allow it to be laid at the foot of the cross, Lord, and allow you to take it and allow you to work through it, Lord. And again, let this day honor you and let us be changed from the inside out, Lord, so that our reflection would be a reflection of Christ to a hurting world, that every breath we take be an opportunity to exalt your name and give you praise for the God that you are. We pray these things in your name.
2: Amen. Hey, South Valley, thank you so much for joining us today on SVCC Online. We're so glad that you can join us today, and it's our hope that this service will be a blessing to you as you continue to engage in it. Before we move into the announcements portion, I just wanted to invite you just to take a moment, whether it's now or later on in the day, just to pause and just to think about what's one good thing that the Lord has given to you this week, one blessing that has been given to you to experience and to relish in. And I just want to encourage you to do that so that you can just kind of Relax for a moment because I know if you're like me, I often am on the go, on the go, on the go, and I forget to just pause and just allow for the Lord to to bless me and acknowledge that blessing and allow for that blessing to fuel me to love him and to love others well. And so whether it's right now, you could literally pause the online service or you can do it later on in the day. Go ahead and engage in that exercise and that discipline of pausing and being still and expanding your gratitude for the Lord. And just allow that to be something that carries you throughout the day and carries you throughout the week as well. So hopefully that'll be a blessing to you, just something that you can do just to get into that rhythm of being a blessing as you have been receiving blessings. So with some business now that we have for y'all are some announcements. Obviously, we are in a regathering phase. We've had services for about a month of 100 people. On Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, you can register for those services. Our next one's coming up this upcoming Sunday, July the 5th. We will have on our website, as we have this past few weeks, the link for that, svcclemore.org, and you can click on register. And about noontime on Mondays, when you can go ahead and do that. One change that we are implementing is if you in uh, the past have come to any of these services, you have heard us say, you know, please don't register again so that others can register for these services. However, we are lifting that now. And so if you have, if you want to begin on the 5th and you want to come on the 12th or the 19th or the weeks following, you can register whenever you'd like to, okay? And so we'll register and fill those seats until we've met that quota. And then each Monday we'll have the registration open. And so we're continuing uh, in that pattern of just trying to expand and to try new things. Celebrate Recovery is one of those new things. Just as of recent, uh, they have been meeting on Friday nights just to gather and just to navigate their hurts, the habits and the hangups and, and trying to, to see things in light of Jesus and to grow in their faith and to really step into uh, the will that he has in their lives has been really special for them small groups of 10 people have been meeting in homes just to to pray and to connect and to even watch the service So we're continuing that our offices are remaining closed but there are so many things that we're just beginning to open in order to just step into normalcy a little bit here and so it's been really great to have that our regathering task team is continuing to meet and to observe and learn and just examine all that's happening as uh, in doing so will allow for us to just be informed and And what we can do moving forward. And so one of the biggest updates of recent is just, we are observing that there is a slight uptick, actually a rather large uptick uh, in Kings County. And so we're just, we're staying in unison with what's happening from the Kings County Health Department. And as of right now, we have no plans to uh, make any adjustments or shifts. However, if it does come to a point to where we will need to do that per the suggestion of Kings County Health, uh, we will entertain that. So we just want to ask for your prayer as we continue to navigate that as a team and to make sure that uh, we stay on course and to Remain informed to make sure that everyone remains safe. Also, uh, one one thing that you are all very well aware of is just that ministry has looked very different over the course of the last few months in light of the pandemic. And we have not been able to physically meet in the ways that we're used to meeting. And so those moments where we get to serve together and where we get to see victories like baptisms and things like that, it, they're very hard to come by because we're all kind of sequestered and siloed a little bit. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to present just a quick opportunity for you to see how ministry is continuing in the life of South Valley Community Church. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put on the screen right now a list, a short list of just some ministries that uh, we as South Valley Community Church as a family partner with. So some ministries and some organizations that we support in, in all throughout the year. And we just wanted to remind you that ministry is still happening. And because of your generosity, your sacrificial, Giving and because of your obedience, there are ministries and organizations that are allowing people to be fed, Uh, they are empowering people to grow in their faith, they are getting close to people, they are giving people the opportunity just to have the means to to survive and to grow. And so, we are just so grateful for the work that God is doing through your sacrificial giving, and just want to encourage you if you wouldn't mind just praying for these ministries and these organizations and just let's get the word of the Lord out there and just Bibles into the hands of people and the basic necessities of life to people. And then also let's continue in the, the pattern of, of, of giving and being in that discipline If SVCC is your home, your church family, your church home. Please continue to give. You can go to SVCC online, uh, Oh, excuse me. svcclomore.org. I brother can't talk over here and just click on, on the donate button and you can give your offering there or you can just go over to the church office which is right there on the church lawn just right in the front door there's a slot a safe secure slot to put that right on in there you can do that as well and we just thank you so much for continuing in that discipline of giving because it does so much in the way of blessing the lord and resourcing so many others and blessing them as well so thank you so much for joining us we pray that this service is a blessing to you and We are just so blessed by your continued uh, growth, and we pray that this is a time that continues that pattern. Thanks so much for coming, y'all.
3: Well, thank you, John, for worship. Thank you, Marcus, for always bringing your flair to making announcements interesting. I always hated that job when I was a senior pastor of trying to make announcements interesting, but thank you, Marcus, for doing it. Uh, I love the story that I think I shared back in 2016 when I visited this church for a Sunday, Uh, but long forgotten, okay? Uh, it's, It's about two men sitting on a park bench, and one man has just lost his job as an office manager. And He's sitting on the park bench, and he's staring into the future, and he just sees no hope. How will, he, how will he tell his wife that he's lost his job? How will he pay the rent? What about the car payments? And then he notices that along from him on the same bench is an equally glum-looking man, and he's the owner of a circus. And the reason that he's so downcast is his star attraction, a performing monkey, has died, and the crowds have stopped coming, and there's no money coming in, and the circus, which has been in the family for years, under his leadership now could eventually close, and the shame to the family, and as the two men share their stories, ding, a light suddenly comes on in the head of the circus owner. He turns to the unemployed office manager, and he declares, I've got it, I've got it. You need a job. And I need a star attraction. Say we dress you up to be a pretend monkey. You'll have a job. And I'll have a circus show. (laughs) And the men were that desperate that they decided to give it a go. And would you know, things went well. The monkey show pulls in the crowds. And the office manager gets paid enough. Until one night. One night, things take a turn for the worse. Somehow, the lion gets out of his cage and ends up in the cage of the monkey. The crowds begin to gather outside the cage to watch this interesting situation, and the lion begins to growl and walk around the monkey, who is petrified, and backs himself into a corner. Uh, and the crowds watch as the lion crouches, reading for his, waiting for his final pounce on the monkey. And suddenly, to the astonishment of the crowds, the monkey yells out in a human voice, help me, help me, help me. And it's at this point that the lion mutters back, shut up, you fool. Do you want us both to lose another job? <laughs> this is This is when I wish there was a laugh machine in the building, okay? Because even my sound guys didn't even laugh at that joke, okay? But you see, if we're all honest, we all go around pretending. We all dress up. we've got a, a Monday morning work outfit, we've got a Friday night party outfit we've got an outfit we wear when the family's around and we have another outfit that we wear when we're hanging out with our buddies, an outfit we wear around certain groups of friends, and another outfit that we wear around our other group of friends. And when somebody meets us in the other context or setting and they've never seen us like that before, they look at us strangely and we feel a mixture of either guilt or embarrassment. And then the next time we meet them dressed in the outfit they know us in, we shyly smile and stumble out some excuse or explanation. We're in a series called Mastering the Art of Living, and I want us this morning to consider ultimate reality and why pretending is not a good way to live. Uh, Think about some of the words that Jesus taught. Words that James, his half-brother, who (laughs) wasn't a follower of Jesus when Jesus was teaching, but he listened to what Jesus said. Well, Jesus once said these words, Matthew chapter 7. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? When we first arrived in the Central Valley... Uh, we drove through the countryside. And for those of you who are listening online and you're not from the Central Valley, uh, the Central Valley is known for its stone fruit and for its nut trees and peach trees and so on and so forth. And when we arrived and we drove through the countryside, tree after tree, orchard after orchard, it was late winter and there was no leaves, there was no blossom or fruit on the trees. And if it wasn't for small signs posted which said words like peach tree or plum tree or apricot tree, we would have driven past like an orange grove and thought, wow, those peach trees sure get big. But once the fruit appeared in the spring and into summer, we city dwellers caught on and and now i have a really bad habit when any guest comes to see me and i'm in the central valley i can more or less tell them every tree and what fruit will be on that tree i just decided to learn it now jesus is saying the fruit tells you what kind of tree it is there's a direct correlation between type of tree and type of fruit there's a oneness between tree and fruit Jesus is not teaching about fruit trees. He's teaching about life and living. He once said these words, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus, the master of life, Jesus says there's a direct correlation between what you invest your time and your energies and your skills and your resources into and who you are, your heart, your soul, the core of your being. You can't divide. You can't separate who you are from what you are valuing. There's a oneness. If you want to master the art of living, there's a problem with pretending. There's a problem with wearing multiple outfits. Jesus teaches the oneness of our lives. So, open your Bibles again into James, at James' epistle at the end of the New Testament and listen again to something that James, the half-brother of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote for our learning. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds. Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. This is a very interesting section in James's writing. Uh, talking to Christians, he says, To be alive as a Christian is not only to say that you have faith or sing about having faith, but it is by showing you have faith by your deeds or your works or what you do, the fruit reveals your faith. So he writes, chapter 2, verse 18, I will show you my faith by what I do. And James is also saying. You could be saying that you're a Christian and have faith in the master of life, Jesus, but actually you don't because there's not the corresponding or the accompanying action. You have lifeless faith, and that's not faith. So he writes, chapter 2, verse 17, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. James is teaching... That you can live a type of life that is actually dead. Or you can live a kind of life that is very much alive. James draws a line. He's very candid. This is James at his best. There's a direct correlation between what you believe and what you do. You cannot separate them. They are indivisible. Faith and deeds, your actions, there's a oneness in them. And if you don't have the oneness… You don't have life. Most people, when they read this passage, they say, well, it's about works, what we do. But it's not about works. It's actually all about faith. And this is the issue. Everybody has works. Everybody does things. We all act. Every minute is a buzz of activity. We we talk to people, or we send emails, or we teach children, or we talk to field workers, or we drive a tractor, or we fly a plane, a, a, a plane or we fix an aircraft, or or we care for our children, or we shop, or we drive our cars. We, we all do stuff, but James is not talking here about works and activities. He's majoring here on faith. This passage is all about the characteristics of faith, what true faith, saving faith looks like, faith that our lives live out the way of Jesus. So, let me take this from James and place it in our context. Let's take some in our congregation who are teachers, maybe at, say, Lamore High School, and you, you walk onto campus at 7 a.m. every morning along with every other staff person. Well, <laughs> I, guess, I guess you used to walk onto campus and will we ever walk onto campus again? I don't know, okay? But let's imagine that, you, that, that we are about to walk onto campus again come August and the teachers begin to do their things and it looks a bit like this here. You, you enter into your classroom, you've got your plan for the day laid out, you've got your materials prepared and ready, and the students enter, and you take attendance, and you teach the lesson, and you interact with students. Uh, Different interactions based upon different students, but you talk, you help, you encourage, you discipline, you work with the students, and then the bell rings or the buzzer goes, and and class ends, and, and you have, what, seven minutes to run to the staff room and send some emails or talk to a colleague or refuel the caffeine addiction that you have, and then it all happens again. And then at lunchtime, you go to the staff room and you hang out with some colleagues, or you catch up on fun talk, or sports talk, or school talk, or or you just sit in the corner crying. Now, the question that James is asking isn't, do we all have works, deeds, actions? That's obvious. Everyone is doing something. Teachers have all got similar actions, similar deeds, similar works going on. The question is, the distinguishing question is, do we all have faith, true, real faith? Because if we have faith, by definition of what faith is, it will make your actions different than someone without faith. And if your actions are just like everybody else, James is saying what Jesus taught, don't say then that you have faith in Jesus Christ because James is saying faith cannot be separated from actions. There is a oneness between what you say you believe and what your actions are. True and saving faith in Jesus Christ will make you a different teacher, a different employee, a different parent, a different shop assistant, a different nurse, a different manager than someone who is not following the master of life. That's what James is saying. And and here's what we're slow to believe. If Jesus is the master of life, then there is nothing in life that He's not the master of, including the profession that you do or I do. There is no profession that Jesus doesn't know it better than you or me. And if I have faith in Him, it will see itself outworked in how much better I do my profession than the person who says they don't have faith in Christ. But stick with me. Let me push you to see this classic Bible passage differently. The mastering the art of living, living out authentic and saving faith in Jesus Christ. Be one person, you cannot be two. You you see, the problem is, we are so often two people or three people or four people. Here's what I believe, but here's how I act. And, And my actions are different than what I say I believe. And and what should be one, a whole, together, cannot be separated or divided, is divided. And my said belief does not correlate to my actions or my works or my deeds. So, I say I have faith, but in the staff room, I'm known to destroy people with my words. I spread rumor, I gossip, or I just tell lies. I, I say I have faith. But my value is based on what I have, what I own, and n- not, not the depth of my soul and my f- trust in Christ. So so I say I have faith, but my weekends are more about serving me and my needs than about serving Christ. How how I use my money is more about me and, and not about following the way of Jesus. So I say I have faith. Jesus would say you're not one. You're out of step with reality. You cannot be two people and following the master of life. Stick with me. Listen to John the Apostle. John the Apostle describing Jesus is in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, he's got this creatorial statement. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John the Apostle wants everything he writes about Jesus to flow out of this bold and this ultimate statement, and at the end of his introduction to who this Jesus is, he calls Jesus the one and only, which certainly speaks of the uniqueness of Jesus, God's Son, but I think in John's gospel, it also speaks of the oneness, the essential identity of who God is in being ultimate reality. God is one. And even in the coming of Christ, nevertheless, he's still just one in essence. Now, this is not new. Trace this thought from the beginning of creation. Right through until the end of time, in the last book of the Bible, there's a dominant truth. There's this revelation of God. God is one. There is a oneness. Jesus once prayed, "You and I, you you are in me as I am in you. I and the Father are one." And and this inseparable relationship, this oneness, this this wholeness, cannot be divided. And and this is his desire for male and female's marriage, that two would become one. This is his desire for his followers. John's Gospel, chapter 17, may they be one as we are one. And, And in mastering the art of living, we're to reflect the oneness of God who created us so perfectly as one. So, we can apply this and what Jesus teaches in John 17 to refer to, you know, when Christians fall out or fight or argue, then we're not one, and therefore we're out of step with Jesus and the way that life should be lived, and no wonder the world then looks and questions Jesus. But let's look at it differently. Let's look at it the way James is looking at it. Come back with me. Chapter 1 of the book of James, we talked about how there was a problem with a person who was a doubter. And that person who was a doubter, it depended on which way the wind blew, he would drift this position or to that position, and he would have a foot in each camp, and he would live with uncertainty, and he wouldn't be convinced, and one day he would believe following Christ was the best way, and then some other way when life got hard, he would go another way and not follow the way of Christ. He was a doubter, Now, James says in chapter 1, this person misses it. This is not the way of the Christian. This is not how to master the art of living. So, you have someone who claims to be following the way of Jesus, claims to be a person of faith, claims, claims it, but they don't have the works, the deeds to show it. James says, this person misses it also. How can you have faith in God yet display a life where faith and works don't tie up. This person who is in essence one being has divided themselves and is now two people, and the word would be double-souled, just like the doubter of chapter 1. He's double-souled. One of who he or she is has faith, and the other has differing works that don't match the faith that he that he or she says that they hold we're out of sync when our faith and our works don't go together we've, dis, we've detached ourselves from god who is one we're out of sick with how things are the deeper reality and we don't even know ourselves we're confused with we've got an identity crisis and we're miserable will the real you stand up? But you no longer know who the real you is because you pretended so long in your life. You've lived a double life, a double-souled life. You don't know who you, who the real person is. You, you, your kids see you, your grandkids see you, and sometimes you're this person and other days you're a different person. Or, or your marriage hurts, your friendships hurt, and life breaks down because we were not made to be two we were only made to be you cannot be two people at the one time you only have one soul to live following the master of life is to not have a life filled with compartments uh, in this compartment is my sunday faith in this compartment is my monday behavior in this compartment is my friday night party in, in, in this compartment are my family values in this compartment is my business values The oneness of you doesn't have compartments. You're not a closet. You're not a house. You're a living soul. And to live following the master of life and claim to have faith in that master is to say and to be one. My soul, my personality, my character, my actions, my beliefs, my behavior, my motives, my goals, they all flow in a oneness drawn out of my faith in God who is one, consistent in being, consistent in action, consistent in revelation, consistent in love, consistent in life, consistent in substance, consistent through death. We reflect the image of God who is one. In reflecting that image, I am consistent, not a compartment. And when I claim to have faith, but don't show it in works, look at verse 26 of chapter 2. All you have is a corpse. A double-souled Christian is nothing more than a corpse. And a corpse cannot master the art of living. So let me finish. Soren Kierkegaard, Danish Christian philosopher, tells about a make-belief country where only ducks lived. And on Sunday morning, all the ducks came into the church, and they waddled down the aisle, and they waddled into the pews, and they squatted. And then the duck pastor came in and took his place behind the pulpit and opened the duck Bible and read… Ducks, you have wings, and with wings you can fly like eagles. You can soar into the sky. No fences can hold you. No walls can stop you. Ducks, you have wings. And all the ducks yelled, Amen! And then they all waddled off home. Mastering the Art of Living, Part 3. You are one. And when you place your faith in Jesus, the master of life, that faith starts to live and transform you. And you begin to act in new ways and beautiful ways. Faith is something living and working. It gives you wings. But when you are double-souled, you believe one thing, but you act in, 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 in other ways. You're really two people. It brings confusion. It disconnects you from God. You don't have wings. You've become a waddling corpse. Be one. And align your faith to your works. Mastering the art of living. Lesson three. I look forward to seeing what comes in lesson number four. Let's bow our hearts. Forgive us, God, for the number of times we dress up and pretend. We pretend to be someone that we're not. Oh, forgive us for the multiple personalities that we display, which confuse and irritate our friends and our loved ones. Forgive us for the number of times we are double-souled and the faith that we have in you is hidden, if not killed, by the works and actions that we fail to do or we do do. Help us be one, true in our faith and true in our actions. And as we reflect your image of a God who is one, may that not only birth in us something beautiful in our being, but may it lead men and women to see us in new lights and want to find out more about this faith that we have and this God to whom we follow. Help us master the art of living by being true and one. In Christ's name. Amen. God bless you, and we will see you July the 5th. Take care.